The following Taisho by Shinge Roshi, Roko Sheri Shayat, was recorded at the Zen Center of Syracuse Hoenji in Syracuse, New York. These recordings are offered for free. We welcome your financial support. To contribute and for further information, please visit www.zencenterofsyracuse.org. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Isn't it wonderful to be together? Indeed. This in itself is the lotus land of purity. This feeling of practicing together, being here for our lives together. What's the alternative? You all know it well. Absent-mindedness, fragmented attention, confusion, all manner of suffering. So when I was sitting earlier with you and the interesting thing about preparing for giving a talk is that you have to prepare and yet you can't prepare, right? If you prepare, then the talk you're giving is only to yourself in that very moment. And you can't reclaim it So many times I'm preparing to give a talk and I think, well, what's important for people to hear? And then I think, drop it. Drop it. That's really all I can tell you. Drop it. But it does, as I said, it does take courage to do that. Why is it that it it is so difficult for us to let go of that particular ensnaring thought form that we may be having at that time. At that time is a very important part of the question. The thought form links us to a particular time. Every form that we concoct links us, us, links the sense of self-identity to a particular time, right? You may not see it that way, but that's okay. You may become aware of it. Whatever the thought is, if you really follow it, trace it back to the root, you'll find that it emanates from a sense of separated self. If you didn't have that sense of separated self, that thought would have no potency. In other words, it could come and go. Nothing wrong with thoughts. Nothing wrong with getting trapped in thoughts either, for that matter. But getting trapped is not a good feeling, is it? Hmm? Anything in your life right now you feel you're trapped by? Some of you may be thinking, oh, no, I'm free. I'm 
free. We're very good at making concepts like that. What's it mean to be free? After all, what is our practice? When we say we want to save all beings, save, the word save is really just a word, okay, but it means free, to liberate, to offer ourselves in the service of liberation, knowing there are no beings to liberate. Uh Uh-oh. Another concept. What are you wondering about right now? Where are you wandering off to? Do you ask yourself or do you just wander? Noticing it is so important. The reason we do session, hard as it is, is to develop the awareness, to notice when we're off somewhere, caught up in various thought forms, entangled in the briars. There is a saying, stillness is the language God speaks. Everything else is a bad translation. We often get caught up in the translation of our lives, right? Who's doing the translation? Who's keeping us from the original? This is not a question that requires an answer. The minute we say separated self, we've concocted it. Who is that separated self anyway? Dr. D.T. Suzuki wrote a wonderful book called The Zen Doctrine of No Mind. This no mind or no self we just read in the song of Zazen, if we concentrate within and testify to the truth that self-nature is no nature, we have really gone beyond foolish talk. Foolish talk is going on in our minds, okay, all the time with very few exceptions. Those spaces that occur, every now and then we find ourselves in Zazen, falling into spacious mind, 
where there's no foolish talk whatsoever. And then what happens? Uh-oh. Got to get back to who I am. What was that thought I was having before I forgot and entered into this? No mind. So there's a lot of fear. That's why I use the word courage. Uncharted territory is where to finish that sentence is really a pity. And I have no idea how it ends, so I won't. To trust this uncharted territory, this never-before breath, then at the moment of your death, And how wondrous it is to bring this moment of your death right here to realize this is it. Then no more scrambling after a little bit better, a little bit more. Oh, I'm so this, I'm so that. (laughs) What a waste of energy. This is it. There is nothing more. Wondrous. But the usual monologue goes along the lines of, well, if I could only... Again, I don't need to finish that sentence because you all know it very well. Little adjustment here or there. A new spouse, a new home, a new job, a new car. Let's do it. Come on. We'll be better off. And then what do you find out? Oh. (laughs) The person who just moved to Colorado is the same person who lived in Syracuse. Oh, well. Here we are again, but marijuana is legal. (laughs) I have so many friends who are moving to Colorado. (laughs) And all I have is tea. Of course, there are many kinds of tea. You don't know what I'm drinking. (laughs) So trust. The third Zen ancestor, Soho-san's, 
long poem that we often recite on Friday mornings of session, trust in mind or faith in mind, depending on how it's translated, or on believing in mind as D.T. Suzuki translated it. This trust or faith is what D.T. Suzuki meant when he said, the Zen of no mind. I have to leave off the word doctrine, okay? There's no such thing. There's no mind. Mushin. What happens when you just drop it? When you have the faith or the trust that the moment you're in is the realization that the Buddha experienced. Therefore, it is your realization. Therefore, it is not something to work toward uh, in a way of one stage and then the next stage, and then the final stage, oh, at last, now I am a Buddha. Right here. If you drop it, you are the experience of trust. But this if is a big if. As I've said before, we are all awakened if we wake up. So much more familiar to suffer the state of the dream world that you're in, or we may say, the nightmare. Who really wants to wake up? This is an interesting question you may ask yourself. Well, the familiarity I have with my suffering is really what is most important to me to hold on to. Now, nobody here would admit to that, right? But there's an underlying... what we might say, an underlying faith in your identity as the one who is carrying the story of your suffering. So here is where you can really see the word courage, how important that is. Are you willing to drop the story that you have identified with of your self? 
What is it to be free? Free from what? And here, separated uh, self, separated individuality, what you have constructed based on what has happened to you and what is continuing to happen to you. Notice that construction, okay? Put it in personal terms. This is what has happened to me. This is what is continuing to happen to me. I don't like it. So Sosan's verse, his long poem, starts out by saying, the great way is not difficult. Just Free yourself from preferential mind. There are many, many translations of that two-line opening, but it's all about noticing how caught up you are in likes and dislikes, right? And in trusting that you don't have to be caught there. The great way, where is that great way? Right here, right? Right here. Right under your very body. Whether you sit or stand or walk or hang upside down from a tree. Right here. The great way is not difficult. There is no obstacle. It doesn't matter how you are. As I said during session, we are all disintegrating, all crumbling away, some of us faster than others. When we're young, we cannot possibly believe this. But it's not a matter of belief. The transitoriness of life. We are taking a form briefly. By briefly, I mean shorter than a thousand years. Right? No matter how much technological progress the medical establishment makes, During your lifetime, I guarantee you will not live to a thousand. Sorry. Thousand-year-old man. Remember that? Who was that? Hmm? Mel Brooks. (laughs) Old pop culture. Thousand years.
So we're all sharing in this transitoriness of this particular manifestation. And the more we become acutely aware of this change, the less likely we are to hold on to our preferential mind. What is that? I like this. I don't like that. Really? You're basing your life on this? You're holding on for dear life? To use a wonderful expression? To this shifting sands. So ordinarily, the big problem we face is that we identify with our preferences. We identify with our stories. We identify with our neuroses that are accumulated because of those stories that we have believed in for so long. And therefore, we live in a state of emotional reactivity. Emotional reactivity. And we see everything that happens that we don't like as being something out there happening to me. Therefore, I have to protect me by reacting. What is this me? So we have to come back to this again and again. Have the courage to drop the thought that is coming from that protective mechanism. Protecting what? Self. What is self? Who am I? Compared to what? Yesterday's self? Someone else's self? What if we just feel it as it is? With a kind of what we often call radical acceptance. In other words, the feeling without the storyline is very freeing. The storyline keeps us from feeling. We project. Therefore, we don't have to be We think we can avoid the suffering by projecting. It doesn't work. Without realizing who we are, apart from these constructed narratives, without realizing who we are, by that I'm talking about what Rinzai called the true person without rank, without name, without title, without age, without, without, without. No, 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 no mind, 
yourself. This is the true person. This true person without. Without realizing this true person, the true person cannot shine forth into the world. When you feel the true person within, it naturally shines forth. It can't help it. Light pervades everywhere. There is no separation. You, all beings, are in this light. This is natural. So we return to the breath because this is the breath of this light. Of course, using the word return is a real problem. Where is anything that you can possibly return to? This breath, where did it begin? Just this now. But we have to say return because of the mind that wanders, right? It's wandered off. So I can ask you, who are you anyway? And I might also ask you, where are you? And what is this you you think you have to return to anyway? These questions are really wonderful to sit with. They have a way of pulling the rug out from beneath your assertion of an identity that you haven't even noticed. You haven't noticed this assertion. That's the problem. So question, 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 question. And life has a way of shaking us up even when we don't ask these questions to pull the rug out from under our self-assertion, as many of you have experienced. The transient nature of our lives and those we love and the vastness of it all. So many things come up that threaten this construction of a separate self or ego. We usually run the other way. That in itself goes against the teachings of our practice. 
Eckhart Tolle has a wonderful line. He says, allow the diminishment of the ego without attempting to restore it. We're given this opportunity every day, but we have a habit of great attempt to restore it, great attempt to keep the self, the ego, from diminishment in any way, whether it's physical or relationship-oriented or whatever comes our way that is threatening to the ego. Instead of saying, hooray, my ego is diminished, we say, no, 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 that's not right. You didn't understand. Or whatever the story we concoct might be, this is the enslavement to the ego that the Buddha taught is directly responsible for dukkha. First noble truth. Yes, each one of us knows this. And we're also quite adept at looking at the second noble truth in our lives, which is, yes, I see, I really hanker after this, I wish this wasn't happening, blah, 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 and I see that I continue to wallow in my own dukkha because of this preferential mind, right? We all can agree with this, yes? Mm. But the third noble truth which for today I will use the expression, drop it. Just drop it. Whatever thought form you are now engaged in, drop it. More traditionally, translated as cessation. Nirvana. Right in the midst of it all, if we truly question when these thought forms come up, these justifying thought forms, these ego-enhancing thought forms, when they come up, you can just say to yourself, really? Or when things happen to you, you can just remember Hakuin. Is that so? Is that so? So deska. And of course, the fourth noble truth is the eightfold path. And when it's translated, usually the word right is used. Right understanding, right mindfulness, right view, right action, right speech, right livelihood, right this, right that. But this right, what does right mean? 
are in alignment with the natural way of the great way. Therefore, we are not separate from our own deep, realized mind. Therefore, freedom. Freedom. 